You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Thanks to a judge in Florida, the mask regulation is off for federal travel, for airlines, for uh, airports. I am thrilled. How about you, ladies? Well, I, I honestly, when I saw that, I was just, I was so happy and I thought, okay, that's the beginning. And now it's going to sweep through every single state. And all of a sudden I started getting like memes of friends of mine sending to me of people full airplanes with nobody masked and everybody laughing on the plane. It was just, it was almost like, it was almost like glee, I think kind of spread around once that happened. But um, of course, you know, there's going to always be those people who insist on wearing, you know, double and triple masks in the airport and go for it. Why, you know, if that's what you want to do, no one's going to stop you, but why should we be stopped? I never really understood why we had to continue to wear masks all over the place on airplanes and airports when it wasn't required anywhere else. It made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. And, you know, in New York, um, the mandates are still in effect on our public transport. So the subways and the buses. Um, you know, it, it's such a, um, a a terrible commentary on the politicization of this issue. And most offensively, by the way, is that toddlers are still being masked in, you know, their preschools, which I think is just child abuse. Um, but I, it's, it's what it is, is the tearing down of this um, fake sense of authority that the Democrats seized during COVID, right? They thought they had the right to do whatever they wanted. They got away with it for a really long time, longer than they should have. And a court finally decided that they never had that authority. That to me was the most important part of this ruling. Sort of the, um, I don't remember exactly what the judge, her words were, but basically she said, you didn't have the authority to make this ruling about airplanes in the first place. And I think that's really helpful and we should seize on that and make that the point that we continue to say, not just relief that the masks are gone, but that um, you didn't have the right in the first place. We should remember that because they're gonna try something like this again in various forms. And we should remember that this was never legal. Well, and I'm wondering if the Biden administration is going to appeal it. My gut tells me that they will try something to appeal it, and then they'll get a judge favorable to more the liberal progressive side, and then we'll we'll be back and forth on this. You know, it's interesting that it took two years of this to get to a judge who made this decision. It's this, I mean, that was way too long. Why why can't these things happen a little faster? And I'm not sure, maybe one of you know, was this the lawsuit by the airline pilots that that actually made this um, happen? Oh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I'm not know. sure which lawsuit initiated this particular ruling, but if it wasn't right from the start, then it wasn't right a year ago. It wasn't right two years ago. So, you know, I, as somebody that flies a lot, I, it's just, there are times I've been wearing a mask for 12, 14 hours in a day. And I just don't think that that's healthy at all. And what happens you know, when you keep rebreathing your kind of used air, then, 
you know, when you finally take the mask off, at least for me, when I would get to my location, I have a couple of days of going, <clears throat> you know, just trying to, to, to get my whole system back working right. And I can imagine with children in schools, how horrible that would be. I honestly, if I had small kids in school, I would never, I, I, I would homeschool before I would let them wear a mask to school like that. I don't think that the the Biden administration is actually going to appeal it because I feel like if they go down that path, um, you know, they got the midterms coming up in November. And I don't think that that's going to fly with a lot of people. That's going to so many things already are not you know going to fly with a lot of people. and People are really angry about so many things. But I don't think that they're going to kind of pull that trigger as well. I think that's a, a dangerous path for them. But what you're saying, Lisa is that that's a political decision and it's not a decision for the health and safety of people, according to them, you know, where for the last two years, it has been a decision according to them for the health and safety of people. But now that we have a political race coming up, then that might fall by the wayside. I mean, that that's pretty telling. Totally. That's exactly right. Well, isn't that what they've been doing on everything? Do you, I, I haven't got the gotten the impression that they really are doing what's in the best interests of their their the American people from the beginning. It's it's been so driven by politics. Uh, this whole thing was driven by politics from the very beginning. I mean, even when Donald Trump was was president and he first the whole the whole mask, you know, the whole mask, I guess, debate began, it became politicized immediately. So it was really never about what was right for the people. Yeah, and you can see that in the media response to this as well, right? They're always in lockstep with the Democratic sort of party line. And, and I noticed a few days, I didn't know this ruling was coming, but suspiciously, now that I look back a few days before it happened, I noticed all of these articles popping up with um, studies citing how effective masks were at preventing the spread, even though study after study has shown that they're not effective. So they were pulling these sort of random studies and manipulating the data to sort of say what they needed it to say. And I didn't understand fully why. I thought it was just more nonsense. And then you realize that, you know, they they were um, prepping for this ruling, I guess, seeing the writing on the wall. And they they the media works with the Democratic Party and particularly on this issue of COVID. That's been very clear, um, as well as on so many others, to to sort of navigate the political party line and make sure that people are getting the messaging that they want them to get. So it's sort of even hard for me now to tell from what I'm reading all over the web, whether the majority of Americans are happy the mandates are lifted or unhappy. I don't even know that they understand the scientific issues behind it, but they're being told by the media that this is like a crime against humanity, right? We're all gonna kill each other now that we're unmasked. And so I wonder if people understand um, that this is a good thing. And if most, if you polled most Americans, if they'd be behind this or against it, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I bet it goes down political lines. I mean, I, I, I truly think that because every study shown is that the the conservatives hated the mask requirements and they felt that it was not necessary. But the uh, liberals felt that it was necessary and that we were endangering them if we didn't wear masks. And that, that's why you had all these different fights happening be, between these two segments of people, both on planes and off planes. By the way, the CDC uh, has dropped all countries from its top COVID-19 travel advisory warnings. So there is not even a country that's at level four anymore, um, anywhere in the world for, for 
traveling or for, you know, ha- having uh, high rates of COVID. So it's about time that we get all of this off. Now, I know that China is kind of going crazy with locking their people down again, because of the, um, is it the BA2? Is that the, vi- the variant, yeah. the Omicron variant? Um, but it's, but it's not a really deadly variant. People, even with the flu, or even with any other kind of uh, illness, when when they have a serious comorbidity, are liable to have something happen. So you can certainly get pneumonia without having COVID, and and that can kill you if you have other issues, or even if you don't, and it's that bad. So you know we we we've kind of gone overboard, and I think that we all need a break from this. I personally, I'm flying. Uh, immediately. Uh, and it's a long flight. And I am absolutely thrilled to not have to wear a mask in the airport, or on the plane. And I can, you know, kind of kind of live normally and breathe normally. Uh, I'm just absolutely thrilled about that. <laughs> My husband is really thrilled, because he, he always, he always complains that the mask makes him look like um, a wing nut. And that his, his, it pulls his ears so far forward. He just, first of all, it's, it becomes, you know, a pain issue after a few hours. But other than that, he, he thinks he looks like the guy on the um, front page of mad magazine, you know, (laughs) you know, I also wonder, it's interesting if, if the ruling was, as it was that this was never legal for them to issue this mandate. I wonder what happens if there'll be a slew of lawsuits. It'd be fun if there were. Of all the people, remember all those videos of people being tackled by, by security guards or, I don't know, I think there was a man or a woman at their kid's soccer game who was dragged away for not wearing a mask outdoors. I wonder if those people can file lawsuits because it was never legal in the first place. Then those authorities never had any right to arrest them or drag them out of these spaces. And um, that would also sort of help in preventing a next wave or attempt to mask us up again. Well, Rebecca, if that was never legal, what about the things like what's happening with you in New York? Is that legal? They didn't ask the opinion of the people. They didn't, they didn't take polls or anything. They, they, they used emergency powers to make these rules. So, I mean, how, how far do you go on the legal issue? Right. I think we have to go all the way, meaning this is the, you know, using the legal system to, to push the other side is a tactic that the Democrats have used to, you know, terrible success on a lot of um, issues in this country, policy issues. And I don't know why we don't use it back to the same effect. But, um, you know, in this case, we literally had American citizens' civil rights being abrogated because they didn't wear masks in certain areas. And if people don't sue now about that or all these other issues, um, what's to stop authorities from seizing that power again. You have to send the chill effect and say there are consequences. I mean, that's always the thing at the end of the day. What I find so upsetting is that these things happen and we're supposed to applaud that two years later, as you say, Linda, this took two, or the lawsuit took less than two years, but it took too long to get to this point. And am I supposed to appreciate that my civil rights were returned to me? They never should have been taken away in the first place. I'm not that grateful. I'm really upset. So I, I think the remedy to that is people have to pay for their behaviors, right? Otherwise, why wouldn't they just do them again? We have to stop thanking the authorities, right? Thank you, 
Governor Hochul or Mayor Adams for letting us do this or letting us do that. You know, these people work for us and they don't let us do things. And we've completely lost sight of our rights as citizens and what's happened to us in the last two years. And I feel like maybe the legal system is the only place left to resolve these issues. I agree with that, Rebecca. But the, the problem with that is then then everybody's going to get sued. You know, does that mean that you can sue your your kid's soccer coach for not letting you come to the soccer game because you didn't have a mask on? Or does that mean you can sue the school for not, you know, for making forcing your kids to wear a mask while they were in school? You know, like it would be endless at that point. Well, they were responding to sort of state mandates like our school had masks all this, you know, up until I guess whenever they released them a couple of months ago. And, you know, you couldn't sue them because they were being rained down upon by the Department of Health. And so they didn't have a choice, but the state, the state made the rule. The state didn't have the right to make the rule and the state enforced the rule. So I would say they're the ones that need to pay for what they've done. The governors, like Governor Newsom, that they just, and your governor, uh, Adams, that they just double okay. down on this. Okay. Um, they, they, they continue it and they want to keep their emergency powers. They don't want to give up those powers that they gave themselves, even if they're not legal. I mean, you have to be challenged for it. And there's been enough cases. Well, just, just a case in the Supreme court, it didn't even get into the Supreme court, but one of the, uh, I think it was a Marine. I'm not sure which, uh, branch of the military he was in, but he sued because, you know, he, he lost his job in the military for not being vaccinated and it went to the Supreme court and the Supreme court denied to hear it. So obviously, you know, if that's the case that they, they can get away with a lot of this because it's, there are courts that are upholding it. And you know, that if that case had gone to a different judge with a different mindset and a different political bent, that the result would have been different. Yeah, we have to be strategic about how we file these lawsuits, where, in which districts, and with whom. And you don't need a hundred of them. You need two or three effective ones, right, to send the chill effect. Um, But you can't file them right in districts where you have far left activists sitting on the bench. That doesn't work. But but not every bench is like that. And I think there are people much smarter than I am in this field who could figure that out. And maybe they're already doing it. Um, You know, I don't know, but. I just, I can't imagine that this just could sort of go away, right? Like it's been a lot and it's been very oppressive and, and now we're just going to watch it fade into the distance and sort of say, oh, phew, that's over. That wouldn't be to me the best way to respond to this if we're worried about making sure it doesn't happen again. Well, yeah, I think we should keep, keep the lawsuits going and, and also, I think that people should be doing it in the states because there, there are quite a few states that still have very oppressive rulings. I was just um, recently in Hawaii. And while I was there, from one day to the next, the, the law changed there. So from being very oppressive with masks, and I mean, if you walked in a store or restaurant or anywhere and you didn't have a mask, you were chastised, You people were insulted, they were... I mean, they acted very fearful to the very next day when the mask mandate was off. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay. Like it never happened. It, that was just crazy to me. It's, it's, it's kind of mind boggling. So where did the virus go overnight? I mean, I don't, I, the, the mindset 
of some people on this whole virus thing and is, is crazy. And the reason that it is, is because Fauci and uh, everybody from the media and the administrations and around the world has, has made this into such a crazy thing, put so much fear in people about it. I have a sister who's the same way. She's like, oh my gosh, you have to go get the, the, the booster. If you don't get the booster, you could die. And I'm, I'm, I'm I, no, I'm not getting the booster. Are you serious? It's, it's really, it, it's, it's a little bit intense to, to be talking to people with very, very different ideas on this. It's, 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 it's irrational and people are not really rational about the thing. I mean, when we were, we had a similar experience when we were in Orlando took, taking our kids to Disney world recently, you know, you didn't have to wear a mask anywhere in Disney world. You didn't have to wear a mask in the rides. You didn't have to wear a mask when all the people were crowded together in the lines and all of that. None of the restaurants, nowhere. But when we got on the monorail, you had to wear a mask. It was, it was so crazy. It was like, it was like what? what? So the virus is only on the monorail. Is that right? I mean, it just made no sense whatsoever. So I don't think the whole thing is really just a power grab. That's exactly what it is. So I do think you're right, Rebecca, in the sense that, you know, the risk is there that that there could be another issue where they're going to grab power and, and, you know, mandate people to do this because they saw that it worked. But um, I, you know, I don't know if if a if a lawsuit is going to deter them from doing that. I don't know. It's a, it's a very scary thing. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. Do you know there's no other condition that I'm aware of where vitamins and supplements make such a big difference than COVID-19? We have a an abundance of data that we need to be replete with a variety of micronutrients, and that includes vitamins, minerals, and other substances our bodies need. I rely on Healthy Cell Super Boost. That's immune super boost. It's a a gel pack that can be taken every day. I like to do it before I exercise and before I go out. It's a wonderful supplement. It gives me the immune super boost that I need. Go to HealthyCell.com, use the promotional code OUTLOUD, and get a discount on your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Thanks for listening. You can tune in to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at americaoutloud.com. Welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. And today I'd like to introduce our hosts today. Uh, we have Alisa Akron-Gold. And Alisa, 
besides being a really good friend, she in her past life was a TV producer for shows like the ABC News, Good Morning America, uh, and 2020. And today she is somebody that has helped my life and my husband's life a great deal. Uh, she is a weight loss coach and does a phenomenal job, has a phenomenal program. And um, I love her to pieces for it because she has inspired us and lots of our friends to have a better life. And we also have Rebecca Sugar. And by the way, Elisa is in Connecticut, a mom and a wife. Uh, Rebecca Sugar is in New York, also a mom and a wife. And she is a columnist for the New York Sun and has written for the Wall Street Journal and The Spectator. And just, you know, you have to read her articles, check her out in the New York Sun, because um, I've read some of the articles, they are amazingly good. So and Rebecca, we need to talk about some of your articles. At some point on a show, we're, we're going to do a show just with your articles, because you you have a lot to say. And I love that. Oh, and I am Linda Martinelli. I am a business owner. I'm located in Texas. And we're going to be talking about that in the next segment, a little bit about Texas. And here we are. So we are talking today and right now about an issue that is near and dear to my heart, which is schools and education. And what the Biden administration has been doing is quietly dropping the uh, student debt from thousands of students. So he's looking now at another 40,000 students. Now there's over a trillion dollars in student debt owed. And these are people that are having their student debt wiped out. My question is, why? why? Why are they getting their debt wiped out? So if you go to school and you decide that you are going to borrow money, just like I borrow money to purchase a home or a car, why don't you have to pay that money? And if, if the reasoning is that your income is low, and the other thing the administration is saying is that the, the people that are incurring the debt now they are not getting jobs. And so my question is, why are they not getting jobs? There's more jobs available in the country with nobody to fill them than there are people to fill them. So if your income is low, then what did that education do for you? Did you go to school and take something that was going to further your life and make you an income that you could survive on? Or did you go to school to pass time and party? Uh, these student debts are real debts. And the amount of money that we are losing every single year is billions of dollars in the payments that are not being paid by students uh, for student debt. So I, I just, I disagree that they should, their debt should be wiped away any more than my debt for my home or my car should be wiped away because I don't wanna pay it. That, because it's inconvenient for me now that I've incurred the debt it's inconvenient for me to have to pay it back. I can't get ahead if I have to pay these big payments that I've inc incurred. I, I just think that this is crazy. And how unfair is this to the millions of students that have paid back their debt? Right. And I, I, I think I read that there's sort of the administration is trying to figure out whether they actually the education department has the legal authority to even do this. And he 
prefer Congress does it. And so there's that whole thing. It sort of smelled to me like just a desperate pre-November 2022 kind of giveaway to, you know, say that you've gotten something done for people so they'll vote for you. Not even so clear. I, mean, I could be wrong, but it's just not clear to me that this is a real plan or if this is just a sort of a political nod to a large group of people. And then you have sort of the far left saying, well, it's not even enough. We should just cancel all the debt altogether. And, you know, um, you know, you kind of wonder if all these people with these college degrees and all this debt understand that debt doesn't just get canceled. You don't just erase it off a balance sheet and it just evaporates right? That gets picked up, that cost by others. You're, you're, you're not canceling the debt, you're transferring it basically over to other people who have to pay it out one way or the other, mostly taxpayers in the form of higher taxes or in the form of inflation. So in the end, it's going to hurt middle class and lower class people, you know, as these things usually do. It's, it's a gift to one person, it's, you know, robbery from somebody else. Um, so I don't know. I think it, it just sounds like Obama's cell phone project, right? It's just like, here, let me give you something free. Will you please vote for me in November? Oh, I was just going to say that I I smell Obama all over this thing, by the way. Um, but I think that, you know, not only that, you're also diminishing the quality or, or you would hope the quality of any sort of education that you're getting because it's just becoming free to you. So you have no skin in the game. So what do you care? You know, what do you care about your, your education? How much are you really going to value that? How much it's like, it's like any kind of, it's any other handout that you get. There's no value to it. You don't have it. If you're not really, if you're not paying it, you're not paying for it. So I think it's also, it's a massive quality issue as well. Um, But I just think that this is a major political ploy for, for November. That's, that's to me, that's the only, the only reason to do this. It could be a political ploy, but, but at the same time, like Rebecca said, this debt gets transferred to us. And it's part of the whole reason that we have the inflation. You take all of the, the, the COVID money that was given out, all of the uh, infrastructure bill money that's given out, all of these different things add up to make our dollar far less valuable. So let's take students, these students who, who go into college and they, they take a loan, shouldn't they have to perform for that money? So if, if they, what, what basis are they forgiving these loans on? Is it equity? Is it low income? Because if you went to college and you didn't work and you didn't, work at college to get the degree that would give you a good job, then why, why would we drop the money that you owe? Now, if you want to talk about something that might be fair and you want to help people, take the people that go to college and make something of themselves. They become a doctor or they become a, uh, they, they go into a trade or they do something and they make a good living guess what? They are contributing to society. They're contributing through their tax money. They're contributing through the work that they do. You know, give those people a break. But I don't think we should be giving people a break that are going to college to, you know, just just have a free ride there and then and then go home and do nothing and don't contribute to society. And they, they are a drain on society. And we have to write off their college, their student debt. And 
again, what about all the people that have, have worked very, very hard to pay back their loans? What happens to them? They don't get any money back. That, this is just really unfair. In my little fantasy world in my head, I sort of imagine like a much better scheme if you wanted to raise money would be, why don't you try like putting real estate taxes on universities and major urban centers or stop giving them tax breaks like we do here and you'd raise fortunes or ask, um, you know, the Harvards and Yales of the world with multi-billion dollar endowments to pay off some of this student loan stuff, maybe for their kids who spent hundreds of thousands of dollars or took out hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans to get through their universities and then ended up on the other end with a gender studies degree and are getting paid $50,000 a year, maybe Harvard should pay them back for services not rendered. You know, there are better ways to pay off these people than to go to people like you, me, and the guy down the street and say, you have to pay off that kid's, um, you know, tuition because things didn't pan out and it's a burden on him. The people who put the burden on him are not me and you, right? And why don't we go to, you know, those guys and say, why'd you charge? $80,000 $80,000 a year to give someone a degree in, you know, Norwegian poetry. Rebecca, you just gave me a great idea of, of a way to pay for the school debt. Now, not the school debt that's already been incurred, but the school debt that would be upcoming. So you have these big universities and they have huge bases of alumni that pay in millions of dollars, right? They contribute all this money. Couldn't there be a fund that is strictly for exactly that. And I, I know that they have scholarships, but and scholarships are great and we should leave those because those are people that earn those and they're really, they're, they, they intend on going through and being a contributor to society. But there could also be this, this pile of money that the schools are responsible for that, that helps pay the education of people that want to, you know, come into to their programs. And it would be contributed by the alumni rather than the taxpayer, because we don't have a choice. I mean, we're, we're the, the administration right now is taking our money, and we don't have a say in it, right? They're, they're, they're going to be washing a lot of these people's debt. And they haven't said everybody's debt, but it's a lot of people's debt. So that's our money. And, and we just don't have a say. But if we put that money by people who want to contribute, and you and I, and Elisa could contribute if we choose to, to a fund to to fund education, that and then they need to totally overhaul the ridiculous price of education. It's, it's not, to me, it's not worth anything what they're charging for. I mean, you, you come out of the educational system as an indoctrinated um, libtard. And that's, that's, that's it. You don't come out with, uh, unless you have a specific thing, like you want to be a doctor or uh, some trade like that, then you, you don't come out with any degree or any um, skill that could help you get a job that is going to help you support yourself. I see college now more as a four year transition period to becoming whatever you're going to become. And, and the actual education and the classes that you take are less and less relevant. And what you get out of it is less and less relevant, particularly now with what you said, Linda, the indoctrination that just really makes my blood boil that I'm going to send my kids to these institutions to be indoctrinated in this liberal nonsense. 
you know, where they have to use certain pronouns and they have to, they can't swim on the swim team because they're going to compete against a transgender person and it's not going to be fair or there any of this nonsense that goes on, or they're going to be canceled because they have certain political views or, you know, they're going to be um, attacked because, you know, there's anti-Semitism on campuses. I mean, the whole, all the stuff that's going on on college campuses to me is absolutely upside down. And so, the, the, the cancellation of this of this student loan debt just adds to the fire, in my opinion. It just, I wonder what the future of college education is going to be, if it's going to even be relevant. Yeah, and I, I sort of like, I don't know, just to play out my sort of fun games in my head further, you know, what if um, universities sort of track tuition um, based on what starting salaries are in the given department or area or field? that a kid studies, right? So like, if you're gonna, you know, if, if you're gonna study gender studies and hope to be some kind of, I don't know what, equity officer at the next university, I guess, when you graduate, maybe whatever that pays, you know, your your tuition shouldn't exceed, you know, uh, you know, one sixth X, I don't know, however they sort of, you know, map it out. Um, and if you're gonna be a, I don't know, and go into finance and get hired by Goldman Sachs, maybe, you know, but I, I just see the onus here. I'm just, my, my point is really just that, why is the onus on the American taxpayer? Why, why is the onus, if the system is built incorrectly and it hasn't yielded good results, then it's the loan companies and the universities who got those kids into this mess. If, if it's some kind of moral authority to get them out, go ahead, have at it. Let Harvard get together with whatever banks issued these loans with their high interest rates or whatever, and let them eat the cost if it's really such a moral crisis. Um, well, I just I'm, can't understand why it's being put on anybody else. I'm not, I, I don't see the argument for that. No, and I'm curious because I don't know the answer, and maybe one of you do. When, when you get a loan, is, do you have to say like what your classes are going to be and what your intent is to be this or that? Or can you get that student loan just to go to college and you can take anything, like you said, Norwegian language studies or something like that? Can you, can you do anything that you want? I guess they shouldn't care because you're supposed to pay the loan back. Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I guess you could also argue that a state should be issuing like student loans. More of them should be available to kids who take up um, areas of study that the state needs. Like, do we need, if we need more you know, rocket scientists and computer programmers and coders, um, maybe there should be more loans available to people who are interested in those fields and fewer to people who want to teach poetry because we don't need as many, po or maybe we do need more poetry teachers. I don't know what the field looks like, but maybe there should be some correlation to um, the needs of the community. Well, the other, the other question is now that they've canceled, let's say 15 billion or so, it looks like, dollars of student loans is that forever like how do they start it back up again that's the other issue so once it's canceled it's gone forever so the onus is going to be on the taxpayer payer forever so you, you just sort of add that into the mix of all the things that we're going to be responsible for um it's it's definitely not fair but i i, I don't know the answer to what to you know to how, how it works with the student loans and what classes you're going to take and, you know, what program you're going to be in. I'm not sure if there's any sort of requirements. Don't know about that. There, there's so many things that we are 
putting on the backs of our children financially. Um, you know, just as an aside, Illinois is paying for medical care for illegal aliens. I mean, there, and there's lots of states. California does the same thing. I don't know about all the other states, but um, how much can we put on our backs? And, and the adults that are here now, that's one situation. But our kids and grandkids, I mean, they're going to be paying for this for a very long time. Why should everybody get everything for free? I don't go to the doctor and get it for free. I didn't go to school and get it for free. I worked my way through school. I worked my way through college and I, I got my degree and I didn't use my degree. I, I, my degree is in political science. I actually wanted to be a lawyer, but, but I went right into the police department and then I uh, went into business and in business is where I found that I wanted to be. So I found that I could make a better living. I found that I had more control rather than, um, you know, working for a state or a, uh, a municipal municipality or the federal government. I wanted to, I wanted to make my own future. So I, I, I just, I just think that all these handouts in so many different ways are strapping our kids for their future and, and taking opportunities away from them. And look at the inflation rate that has been caused by all of these free giveaways that we have instilled in the last year and a half under the Biden administration. And I also think like there's something so symbiotic about this relationship between the universities, excuse me, the university system in America and the, the sort of left in America and this administration in particular, it's, it's um, you know, the, the universities are the sort of, factories of these progressive ideas and the young kids who believe them and sort of in the face of what's happened to American universities, everybody understands that that whole system has been disrupted and it's sort of at the beginning or wherever you think it is, the beginning or the beginning of the, the middle of the beginning of its decline, the whole system. Um, this would be the perfect gift to give them at this moment, right? To kind of prop it up. And uh, if you're the administration and you, you want these universities to keep churning out, you know, kids who study things that don't get them employed, and you don't want to discourage that because those are those are the young people who sort of spend their days at at these elite institutions um, talking about gender equality and equity and all those things, and so you want them kind of coming through the system. So you you want to perpetuate the system is kind of what I'm saying, and so. It's also in that sense, just a straight political move as well to kind of keep this dead rotten system going because it serves your political interest. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best, freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on the precautions, but deep down, you still want to avoid getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray. Made in the USA, Cofix RX reduces viral loads and minimizes the risk of you 
getting sick. Find a retailer near you or click our banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. So we wanted to just talk about the border and what's happening at our southern border. And I sigh as I even bring it up with both of you. One of you lives in Texas and the other did. So you probably have a lot to say about this, but none of it is good. It seems to go from bad to worse. Um, We're now going to be lifting Title 42 and allowing people to come in en masse. They say after 18,000 people will be crossing a day. The border um, officers are completely overwhelmed and can't keep up at this pace. And of course, the fentanyl and the people on the terrorist watch lists who are crossing our borders every day. It's like a torrent of unbelievable news. It's sort of, it's surpassed bad news now. It's just, you, you kind of shake your head and can't believe that this is actually happening. And so the one sort of, you know, humorous slash tragic story in all this had to do with your governor, Linda, Governor Abbott, who um, had started sending, you know, in small numbers and not enough and to not great effect, uh, buses of, of migrants uh, to DC just to make the sort of PR point that, you know, you want them to just come flooding in Well, you take them, see what you're going to do with them. Um, I'm not sure that anybody who wasn't already sensitive to this issue ever saw those reports, but be that as it may, um, we have a crushing border problem. And, and now, interestingly, in small numbers, Democrats who are worried about their elections in November are starting to sort of admit that we have a real problem here and are not supporting the administration on uh the, um, the removal of Title 42. So I'm just curious how you feel about it, especially being from that state. Uh, do you think that what Abbott's doing is enough and what else could he be doing and what could all of us be doing? Because uh, this is unsustainable. Well, all of us need to be doing a whole lot more and we need to be really, really complaining a whole lot more. We need to be louder, more vocal, but we also need to absolutely vote for those people who will help stop this. We have to make a change in the Senate and Congress. That is absolutely critical. And I I don't know if it's going to help, but it's definitely not going to hurt. And, and, you know, if we, if we get enough people in the Senate and the Congress, we can shut that border down because they can vote to do that. And then Biden will, will um, veto it, but we can override it. So, I mean, it's the, the election is absolutely critical. The, the thing with Governor Abbott with sending buses, he has 900 buses um, that can go back and forth as many times as need be to send these immigrants to Washington, D.C. and put them on the doorstep of the White House. Here's the problem. I love Go- Governor Abbott, um, but we're not doing enough in Texas. We, we have uh, added sections to the wall ourselves. We have paid for it out of our own taxpayer money. But to send these buses and put 10 people on the bus and drop them off, that's not making a statement. I need him to send 100 buses at a time full with 40 people each and drop those people off and do it over and over again in order to make a statement. In, in New York, Rebecca, you are getting airplanes full of illegal immigrants dumped off to you in the middle of the night again, just in the last week. So they, they are, they're doing this to all of you in the country and mostly to people like us and Arizona and um, California. 
I don't ever hear California complaining about it. I, I think the more the merrier there for them. But I know it has a serious effect on us in Texas and just in my little town. And I'm um, hours, several hours from the border. But just in my little teeny tiny town, I mean, things have changed dramatically because the corridor that they travel is the 10 freeway and the 35, which is the 35 is, is more the sex trafficking area where it goes kind of north to south. But the, the 10, which goes east to west, is where they, they drive their drugs through and they stop in all these small towns and they wreak havoc. There are more break-ins in people's homes. There are lots and lots. The, the big thing right now is if you have a Ford F-150 truck, you will not have it anymore because they are stealing them from, I mean, they, they go in people's property at night and steal them. It's it's just completely different. We have had, and, and I live in a town of 10,000 people. So we have had three high school students inadvertently, unknowingly take fentanyl thinking that it was um, uh, something to help them stay awake to study for exams and die from it. It, it is significantly different. We have, um, I know it doesn't sound very serious, but, but to us it is. We have lots and lots of uh, drunk drivers, lots of uh, car thefts, lots of uh, property thefts, thing, things, you know, break, breaking and entering, things like that, that we did not have before in this small town a couple of years ago. So it, it affects everybody. And it's, I'm sure it's affecting New Yorkers. I'm sure it's affecting you in Connecticut. Uh, certainly affects uh, the cartel is huge in say Colorado in Denver Colorado is huge, and and they they just um, made major arrests there and with with drug dealers, it's all over the place. So the the border is a huge huge issue, and I, I, I you talk about the 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 fentanyl that comes over that's killing our youth. These this is the future of America that that these drugs are killing. This is our future. You talk about the sexual predators coming over the terrorists. I, I, I just, I can't even imagine that anybody in the administration who loves America to, could do this to the American people. Okay. So this is what I do not understand. And maybe one of you guys can shed some light on this. What is the rationale between, of what is the rationale behind opening our borders to these millions of people. Like, what is the rationale behind it? Is it really just so that they can get Democratic votes? I mean, it's so outrageous to me, and I just cannot understand what the rationale is behind it. And by the way, even though I live in Connecticut, we border Westchester, and my house is 10 minutes from that airport, the Westchester airport, where they are flying all these migrants into. And so they're flooding our neighborhoods right here. And we're seeing the exact same thing that you're reporting, Linda. We're seeing a rise and a spike in the same sorts of crimes right here in the sleepy little town that I live in. And so I'm angry about it. I mean, I, I'm. it makes my blood boil that these people have, they can walk into the hospital and get treated. They can, they can get surgery. They can go and get dental care. They can sign their kids up for school here. No problem. Like, I am so angry about it. 
And I think this is going to be the the thing that just this could like completely tank the Democrats in November. This issue could be the number one problem, in my opinion. But I don't understand the rationale. What are they getting out of this? What are they getting out of letting millions of people into this country like this illegally? Is it just votes? Is that what it is? I mean, I think that's part of the strategy, right? Like, you know, if you import a bunch of people who classically in your sort of political estimation were always in the D category and you stick them in specifically in swing states and red states, you might overwhelm the vote. I think they're finding right for the last polls uh, about 22 indicate that Hispanics in America are trending away from Biden dramatically. I mean, dramatically, it's it's unheard of his numbers with, with Hispanics. So I don't think Democrats really understand Hispanics clearly. I think they assume that they're just a monolith. And, you know, I always think that Democrats are, are really horribly racist. And so I think they look at all Hispanics in this country as the same and they misunderstand um, that they, they don't have them in the pocket and that they don't believe in their progressive views. So I think they mistakenly think that if you just keep importing more people who are Hispanic, they will get more votes. I think there's some part of this that's supported by that kind of one world globalist vision, right? And whoever's, you know, those, you know, the Soros-like people in the world who just have this one world vision. But I, I think the bigger problem is I'm not so convinced that if Republicans win in 22, that they're going to close the border at all. They could have done it many times before and they haven't. And I, here again, as a, as a conservative, I say this, you know, sadly, but conservatives have done a terrible job on this issue too. Nothing like this. Nobody comes close to what this is. But but we um, Republicans, many Republicans like illegal immigration as well, just for different reasons, because of labor and all sorts of other issues historically. And so they haven't stopped this either. And But I agree with you, Alyssa. I think this is a maybe, I think it might be issue number two after inflation, but it's certainly like vying for issue number one in the minds of a lot of people in this country. I think it'll drive a lot of people in, in their voting decisions in November. And I hope that the Republicans understand that that is something that makes people's blood boil like it does yours. And I hope they do something about it this time. Um, because if they don't, um, then, uh, you know, they'll have been no better than the Democrats. Rebecca, I have to say, though, not and not to be in defense of any particular party one way or the other. I don't think that the Republicans, I don't think anybody ever made an issue out of the border until Trump. Nobody ever talked about the border until Trump. We never heard of the illegal immigrants flooding this country like this and, until Trump like shut the border down and then Biden opened the border. So, right. you know, I don't, it was never really, yeah, maybe it was. But it, I think that might be my point is what mm -hmm. I'm saying, right? Like it took a disruptor like Trump to even talk about it, but what was happening under Republicans and Democrats before him was, you know, maybe it was a little worse or much worse under Democrats, but it was basically the same People were just coming here and they stopped coming when the economy was better or worse. Like there were different factors that factored in, but neither Republicans nor Democrats did anything about our border in any serious way. And there was never any serious immigration reform. 
no, and Trump. No, and they, they've had the opportunity to do it and they didn't do it. And that's on both sides. But, yeah. you know, I think what you said, Rebecca, it is really the issue at first when this started happening with Biden, I really thought it was a voting issue. He wants to give them amnesty, which he still wants to give them. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that before, uh, even before the 2024 election. But I think it's about the one world order. And I think that what, what this does in our country is it causes chaos and it causes a disruption. And if you think about all the things that are happening right now, we have defunding of the police, which has been proven to, um, to cause more crime, to cause more homicides, to have, have more people be uh, victims of crime. We have the open border, which is causing absolute chaos. We have the inflation. We have all of these issues. We can't focus on the things that we need to focus on because we're all over the map. And a lot of people have just completely shut their mind off to it because they, it's, it's really overwhelming all of the things that are going on. You know, the, the chaos is one of the big things that is, is used in taking a democratic country to a socialist country. And that's what they're using this for is now my belief. I didn't think it at first, but after looking at it for the last couple of years, after you know reading and reading and trying to trying to get a handle on what's going on, the one world order is what the world seems to want to go to. Not America, but I mean Canada is getting closer, and you know they're using the chaos to keep us off balance. And when you look at the things like the studies that are being done in, in our country right now, we were talking about education. In studies with young people, when they were asked if they would fight for America, if somebody attacked America, would they fight for America? It was like 51%. Hey, I'd leave. What, who's, gonna, who's going to protect America? Are, are these people that are coming over the border, are they going to stand there and fight for us? I mean, I, I, I just think it's causing chaos in so many places in the country, it's causing us to be off balance financially. It's causing us to be us to be off balance with uh, crime and things that we have to pay attention to that we didn't have to pay attention to. I use my little town. I didn't have to. I didn't even have to lock my doors before, but now I do. In fact, my husband and I put put a, a, a big security fence around our whole property. We didn't have to do that before. So I, I just think it is about keeping us off balance and going to that one world order, because when we're off balance, they can control us much better. Do you think that our, our people in the border towns of uh, Texas, I never read about them. Are they moving? Are they defending themselves? What's happening literally at the border on the American side? Well, um, on the American side, the border, the border people that live there are very loyal to living there. And they they hate what's happening. They they do speak out on TV, at least in Texas, they do. Uh, I've been down there many many times, and I've I've seen it firsthand. A lot of the people that are on the border properties are big landowners, so they have big properties. It's not just like little houses. Um, and they they talk about finding people dead on their properties. By the way, more immigrants have died under the, the uh, Biden administration in the first year than in all of Trump's four years trying to cross over the border. 
so and and that is because you know they they are sick or they try to walk through the desert and they don't have water or they get lost or they get you know attacked or all kinds of reasons but but uh he's Biden's not doing anybody any favors with his border policies but the but the people that live there are are staying there now what's interesting and and I can absolutely set this up there is a candidate running in in the Del Rio area uh, for the Republican uh, Congress seat. And right now it's a Democrat. And she has a really good chance. Her name is Monica De La Cruz. She has a really good chance of, of winning that seat. And um, we've had her on the show before. And I think it's a good time to get her on the show again. I will invite her uh, and you ladies. And we will you know, see if we can have a conversation because she is she's a business owner. She lives there. She owns a business there at the very border where all these people are coming over. And her perspective is really, really interesting. Um, the people there are horrified, Rebecca, as to what's going on. And they absolutely want it to stop. But are they running away? No. And, and you said also that the Hispanics are you know, they, they don't like this and they are tending to vote far more Republican. And that is absolutely the truth, especially in Texas. That's absolutely the truth. They do not want this border to be open and it's not a good thing for them. So by the way, I think the Democrats sometimes forget that the Hispanic people, the Mexicans that are coming over, they, they tend to be very Christian and they tend to be uh, very conservative people. So the Democratic Party, other than giving them things, you know, free things, uh, it doesn't seem to suit their, the, the way that they want to live. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind.